I'm Steve, and joining me this week, tell me if you've heard this one before, it's Adam Myros. Uh, hello, Steve. Yeah, we, we've got a real stale lineup rolling lately. Yeah, well, this is what happens when people, you know, birth children or decide they're not interested in watching, uh, you know, vinegar Classics? syndrome releases that were previously never released on home video or shot on video in the 90s. Uh, yeah. Crazy. Crazy that people don't like the classics. Although I will say, Mr. Sean Glynnis would probably be a big fan of the movies we're covering today because uh, one uh, definitely evokes a certain uh, French porny horror director, and the other one, you could kind of say it's about basketball, really, at the end of the day. So those are two things that Sean is really interested in, yeah, and yet yeah. he, he chooses to sit out. Who knew that, like, James Naismith was, like, a fucking ancient Mayan? I wasn't aware of it. No. I, I, I always thought he was, like, a farmer from Indiana or something, <laughs> but here we are. Here we are. And also joining us, Jack Easton. Hey, Steve. It's great to be back here again. Jack, did you know that I am fucking invincible? Uh, no, no, I, I didn't realize that. Is this a recent thing? Yeah, yeah, let me tell you a story. So I, I got sick a week ago or whatever, 10 days ago. I don't know however the fuck long it was, but I got sick, didn't have COVID. And then I, uh, I went to Florida, okay? Cesspool. We know what's there. Just everyone is old and diseased. And my nieces and nephews, what do they get? What do they get, Jack? They get the COVID. They get the they COVID. Got the Rona. That's so they sad. They got the COVID. In Florida. And, and yours truly, guess what he's got? No COVID. None to be had. Right here. I'm I'm the cure. Did they get COVID at, at Disney or were they like barred from attending Disney? Because that would oh, be no, the ultimate they, irony if uh, they were not allowed to attend Disney. And oh, instead you were the only one in the family who went to fucking Disney World. Yeah. What a what a joy. That, that would have been fucking sweet. <laughs> Just me sending videos on it's a small world. Yeah, that's that's what those kids need. No, it was it was a come home, got the sniffles tested type of situation. So, uh, yeah, I and I I feel fit as a fiddle. So, if you're wondering what's the COVID cure, when are we going to figure it out? I'm right here. Pay me. I will give you my blood if the price is right. That seems fair, right? I'm going to give your blood to the Fauci vampire. I was going to say to be fair, I think you've been vaccinated and boosted so perhaps uh, your, your evidence that that indeed that that might be the cure you know yeah that's <laughs> could be as simple as that, that. <laughs> <laughs> could be could be i i choose to believe that uh, a diet that consists of 90 percent frozen pizza chicken nuggets and alcohol is the true solution to this pandemic and the only way we'll all get out of it together I'm impressed you know. that you're keeping this diet up considering your gluten strictures. Like that's uh, that's impressive. You're you're Listen, you're baby. still eating frozen pizza and chicken nuggets even though they're like inferior varieties and must taste like absolute shit, but you're so it's, determined to eat them. It is true. And it's funny because you know, you you get upset at first because you can't do it. Uh but at the same time you're like I, I want to keep eating these things, but of course, you know, uh, wheat is making your throat close up and 
uh, causing you to, you know, not be able to swallow or breathe. So what are you going to do? And and then you're like, okay, so I'll buy some of these cauliflower pizzas and I'll buy some gluten-free chicken nuggets. And you know what your first reaction is, Myros? It's, boy, these taste like shit. Yeah, yeah. And then a funny thing happens. You just kind of get used to it. And now that's just what pizza is. That's just what chicken nuggets are. So the lesson here is if I chose to live a healthier lifestyle where I drank water, I ate vegetables, things of that nature, I think after about a month or so, I would probably get used to it and be a much healthier, happier person. Maybe, maybe this would help me deal with my own issues with depression and anxiety. And yet, do you know what I choose to do, Myros? Well, I, I do know because, you know, I've made similar choices. Uh, exactly. The answer is not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I feel like that, like this is like the, the Hulk Hogan prayers and vitamins uh, promo, but for <laughs> podcasting. <laughs> All my little podcasters out there, you want to be the best? Eat your chicken nuggets. Eat your DiGiorno. <laughs> Reject God. This, see, that's, that's what you got to do. That's the, the three tenets of podcasting. Uh, anyways, hey, we're 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 talking uh, we're talking horror this week because uh, we got we got to boost those numbers up. We had a couple of really good months, and then uh, you know things are starting to drag. The shareholders are getting on us, so we got to we got to bring in that that cheapy horror because that's what boosts things up, right? Yeah, I mean, if you were honest with the, the listeners, those who are our regular listeners will know the, the the entire reason we've picked these two films is because. You confused them at the end of an episode, so that yeah. that's all the motivation we yeah, need. I didn't even realize that was the methodology. I thought it was just because they both are dead in the title, but I get same same difference ultimately. Yeah, I, I confused them at the end of another episode, and then also I think someone someone like emailed us and actually recommended one of these or both of these or uh, one something of them. like that. I think that one is where the confusion arose, is because Jack was discussing Shatter Dead on our homegrown horror episode. Uh, and uh, we independently had a patron uh, recommend The Laughing Dead, and uh, you, in your mind, thought that it was the same film or something. So when when Jack mentioned Shattered Dead, you were like, "Oh, we just had a patron recommend that," but but really, uh, not the case. Two not separate case. films, which which we'll find out today. They're they're not not exactly similar in tone. No, I I would describe them as distinctly <laughs> different. I would say in that. a lot of ways. <laughs> Really not the same movie at all at the end of the day. All right. Well, the first one we're going to talk about, this, this is a very interesting film. It's made by a writer-director named, and I'm going to, I'm going to fuck this up, but whatever. Uh, Samtau Sucharikotl. Samtau. Uh, yeah, right? I'm going to guess he didn't nail that down. Uh, just a wild no. step, but that's all right. Might have, might have screwed that one up a little <laughs> bit. But uh, old Samtau. Not the most prolific guy. He's he's written some stuff, including an episode of Cops, but not the cops you're thinking of, Myros. Uh, this is a different cops and a cops that I distinctly remember because I, I enjoyed both cops as a child. Yeah, I don't know what you're not. talking about. This is exactly the cops I'm fucking thinking of, man. Yeah, this is the cops so I'm always just thinking like, of. <laughs> oh, oh, Optimism Vaccine, do you like, you know just police officers driving around and just beating the shit out of people on TV? And the answer is, when I was eight, absolutely. Now, I, I don't tend to watch it, but the other thing that was on was a show called Cops C period, O period, P period, S period, which stands for I don't fucking know and I don't care, 
but it was basically about these like futuristic cops that had like transformers that were cop cars that they they it's, rode around this, in. this is a futuristic show set in 2020 exactly <laughs> it was it was very swat cats-esque in its presentation but there were no anthropomorphic cat men it was uh just you know just some dudes in in their future cop little cars. Uh, apparently, it stands for Central Organization of Police Specialists. Oh yeah, uh, that, that's better than my guess, which was just cops on patrol. Shit. <laughs> oh yeah, I thought it was Central Organization of, and then I screwed up because I thought the end was Pussy Samurais, but I was wrong. Damn um, show. What do I know? Yeah, I I distinctly remember an episode of this show wherein uh, maybe this is the one the old Sam Tao was responsible for, but uh, wherein they had like robot dogs that that helped them out, mm-hmm. and uh, they communicated through. I, it was a simple like one bark is no and two barks is yes or something of that nature, and mm-hmm. and the villainous, I, I'm gonna guess is probably the main villain, old big boss there. He uh, he reversed the polarity so that they were confused by by the barks because they meant the opposite of what, what they normally uh, I like the idea the of guys. building robotic dogs and putting in that kind of an interface on top of that. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what else this Somtown man did? He did a little show called Dino Saucers, which I also remember fondly oh, yeah. and definitely watched as a child. Uh, and this is weird, too, because it aired in, like, 1987, and I'm sure I saw it, you know, in syndication as a very small child, but I, I mean, I was only a few years old, and yet I distinctly remember the theme song in my head and what the show was about. This dinosaurs basically dinosaurs from space. It's transformers, but they're dinosaurs from space. That's all it is. But the theme song, it's just the name, and it's just dinosaurs, and then a little do 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 do. And I guarantee you, if your ass goes on the internet right now, Myers, I don't know if you're editing this or if Colin's editing this or who, you find that shit. I guarantee you I'm right. That is burned into my cerebral cortex. And I, I will forget names. I will forget movies. I will confuse movies. I basically have dementia, but I I remember Dinosaurs extremely, extremely clearly. Yeah, yeah. So, I, it was a show that was not very good, but you're just like programmed to love it because it's Transformers with dinosaurs. And, yeah. you know, in, in 1985 to 1995, we'll say that that's the prime shit right there. Every oh, every young kid absolutely. is going to just eat it up with a spoon. And they, the problem is they never got around to uh, making action figures for dino saucers, which is a, no. it's a criminal Absolute thing. Absolute shame. Criminal. Criminal. You kidding me? Like space dinosaurs? It's a fucking slam dunk. Yeah, that, just, did, that did transform as well. Yeah, they went from uh-huh. like human dinosaurs to full-on dinos. So yeah, that, that could have been an, a real ace toy, I gotta say. And the thing is here too is, you know, you can take the the general, uh, you know, toy line that most companies did with these cartoons. Because back then it's like you had the cartoon, but you had to have the action figure. You had to have the toys and everything. Dinosaurs didn't for whatever reason. But most of them, they just took He-Man action figures and repainted them. Yeah. And for dinosaurs, you know, why don't you just... You could basically take Transformers and throw a dinosaur head on them, and you're fucking fine. Repaint them. I'm and pretty they sure did Transformers later. did that at some point. <laughs> yeah, they did. In fact, they did. There's a whole, like, Transformers dinosaur spinoff in yeah. horrific, like, early 90s CGI. It was a beautiful time. Uh, well, this makes a lot of sense to me. I did not know this about old uh, Samtal, but this makes perfect sense because... Mm-hmm. This, well, 
this is what this movie reminds me of more than anything. It is a splatter horror film, and yet all I could think of when watching it was it just reminded me of being a kid and going to like a video store before it was even like Blockbuster or Family Video, where it was just like some grandma's like living room that they just lined with old uh, VHS tapes that they rented to you. And yeah. this seems like the exact sort of movie that would inexplicably be rated PG and have like a cover that was innocuous enough that it would just like kind of pass muster and you'd get home and be like, what the fuck am I watching? <laughs> yeah. And this movie is, it is exactly that. And it is the sum of its parts because it is the man who worked on Dino Saucers, Cops and Chippendale Rescue Rangers making a goofy, nonsensical splatter horror film. And who's doing the special effects? Why? The king of making movies that I wanted to rent as an eight-year-old, a.k.a. the man who worked on Ghoulies and gave us, you know, the, the creepy <laughs> toilet monsters. Like, that's that's all we wanted as children. If you are a, a, a person who is interested in horror now as an adult, and you are between the age of, let's say, 32 and 40, I guarantee you, you walked into a local video store and all you wanted was to rent Ghoulies 2 because it had the Ghoulies standing on the toilet. And you're like, I need that. I need monsters on a toilet. I'm, very so, true. I'm so glad you guys admit this movie is great. Adam was talking it about this is, beforehand. And Adam seemed less <laughs> enthused, but he's just described a, just an amazing movie, which is exactly what this is. Yeah. It's not that I'm not enthused. It's just this movie had like a weird effect on me. Like, you know, everyone <laughs> is trying to capitalize on... 80s nostalgia and they go about it in the laziest possible way where it's just like oh remember E.T. it's like well no fucking shit I remember E.T. that's what every human on earth has seen that movie but this is the real nostalgia for me this like brought about it accessed some strange portion of my child brain mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah that's exactly what it does and, and also I mean I'm gonna stump hard for the laughing dead but I can tell you right now, if someone's listening and they're like 25 and they watch this, they're going to be like, this is fucking stupid. What? <laughs> yeah, you have and to yes, be you're over right. 30 at least. <laughs> you ha Yeah, anyone over 30, this, this is how you know you're getting old. You're like, oh, the kids are too young to know what it is. All they care about is their stranger things. But no, this is like, this is really like tickling something in the deep recesses of my brain. And, and nostalgia barely ever gets to me. And this is so weird. It's just like it's beamed from another dimension and everything feels warm and familiar and stupid in a very lovable way. And yet uh, until earlier this afternoon, I had never watched this movie before. Yeah, it, it, it's a very strange feeling. And Jack, I, I don't know if you had a similar feeling because, you know, when, when you were growing up in Ireland, all you could do was like, you know, brush the mules and <laughs> they you rented know, potatoes. We, yeah, no, no, we, we had, dig the garden. We had great arts and crafts. We had uh, we had Bosco, which was wonderful. It was a little puppet in a box and they did art and crafts and that. And literally all of them would be creating a zoo by and I'm not kidding. I swear to God, I wish I was kidding. Stuff like creating a zoo by sticking matchsticks into potatoes to make <laughs> various animals. <laughs> That's the most Irish shit I've it's ever fucking heard. Intensely Irish. <laughs> just, just Irish sticking, or just a Jack sticking little fucking toothpicks into a potato <laughs> while his dad is just like, "Hey, give me another bombers." What? <laughs> yeah, that's that's how they all sounded. That's what we're yeah, doing. That's how they all sounded. <laughs> yeah, that's my Irish accent. Thank you. Uh, 
Why do they only put when you when you're when you're in Ireland, they only put like one tiny ice cube in the Balmers? Why do you only get one ice cube over Who's there? Who's putting ice, there ice cubes shortage? in the Balmers? They're putting they that's what they do. They're like they put they try and put ice in your cider, but they're not putting ice plural. It's like a literal single piece of fucking ice. You're, yeah, I, you've brought this up before. I've never experienced this. I have never been served ice in an alcoholic like pulled pint before. That's in I, yeah over there they just drink it fucking piss warm. Piss warm, yeah. We're not really yeah. with the Bulmers. That's more of an English thing. Ireland is mostly. That's, uh, we've established these are all the same thing, Jack. Oh, that's that's yeah. true. That's fair. Yeah, no, I never, I've never got that. I've never had ice in a Bulmers. That's see, I Bulmers is cold. It, it it just is. I think you just need to. I'm not convinced that the planes you get on go to Ireland, Steve. I have a feeling <laughs> they might be going somewhere <laughs> else. I'm I'm excited because I'm I'm I mean I'm going there in a few weeks. Which is also funny because I visit Ireland more than Jack does, so yeah. I actually know his people a little bit better than he does. Like maybe but, everything's uh, changed. Yeah. yeah, it's. I think it's all changed at this point. But I'm going to be in the fucking country this time. I'm going to be on the on the on the coast, like not not like apparently we were going to rent a car, but now we're not going to because the only place you can rent a car with an automatic transition transmission in Ireland is in Dublin. Like you can't get a fucking car <laughs> that's not a stick shift wow. if you leave Dublin. That's wild. Because you, when, you, yeah. when you're leaving Shannon Airport, they like specifically have the signs like for like the first mile out of Shannon. They just have the signs going like, remember to drive on the left hand side. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And also, P.S., you have to learn to drive a stick shift and it's an opposite stick shift. Like, that's <laughs> fucked up, man. What are you fucking doing? That's fine. Just burn, out the, just burn out the transmission. Fuck it. You'll get there. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And it costs like twice as much. Like an automatic transmission in Ireland is the ultimate status symbol. Who knew? To be fair, a friend <laughs> of mine in college, an American who was over there, he once got pulled over because his, his Irish colleague he went out drinking with, like, passed out drunk. He got so drunk, he just passed out. And uh, mm. this, so this guy had to drive him home. And he didn't know how to drive transmission, manual transmission. And he was also no. somewhat drunk. And so he was attempting to do this while under the influence and a, a cop pulled him over and just kind of like, kind of just made sure it was like, okay, I see why you're driving weird like that. Surely could tell he was drunk and just told him to like, you know, get home quickly. And, and that <laughs> keep, was it. Keep it in first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's insane. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to be, I'm going to be really, you know, uh, among your people. I'm going to, I'm going to just, I'm going to be able to watch Wind That Shakes the Barley and be like, yeah, I get it. I get it. That's it. That's totally beautiful. makes sense now. Yeah. So, but anyways, enough about the Irish. Let's talk about my boy uh, Sam Tao and his fabulous movie, which is, uh, you know, it's it's a movie that starts off the way that I like my films to start, and that is with child sacrifice, uh, Mayan gods, and eventually a little bit of the old b ball. So, I mean, what else can you ask for, really? Uh, yeah, that's fair enough. I, I, it, it's, it's just such a strange film, this, uh, like there's all this backdrop of, of Mayan festivals and, and you think this whole thing's going to be centered around this, this laughing dead festival. I mean, it is the title of the fucking movie. And it's, it's not the day of the dead in case you, you're wondering. Yeah, no, 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 this, this is, is the laughing very, dead. Very different. Uh, in many but there's ways. there's no chuckles here because everyone's dying. But the thing is, the the whole festival seems to be happening like on the other side of a fence from from the movie. Quite literally, there is a stone wall with a large gate 
<laughs> and everybody's like, party, party. And then on the other side of the gate, it's like, nah, possession and murder. Yeah, it doesn't interact with the actual festival of the Laughing Dead virtually Fest- at all. Festivals are expensive. Uh, yeah, it's... it's um, you, you want to know how they got the crowd to do this? I watched the making of for this, and it was for, it explained Ooh. a lot about how this movie worked out. And, and they, they were modeling it on, on Day of the Dead, but, you know, kind of shifting it around a little bit. And uh, apparently they managed to get a bunch of people to come in costume and party down um, by having a raffle for a car. They bought one car, and everyone who showed up in costume and just hung out for the night to be filmed as an extra was in a raffle for the car. Which is ingenious, because that meant at the end of the night, they had a raffle, and they only had to pay one person. That's amazing. But this also (laughs) might explain why they didn't exactly, you know, they weren't asking too much of anyone for this. No. But that's a fantastic movie-making trick. Keep that one in your back pocket. I love the way this movie is made, because it is the perfect balance of a lot of people who are clearly inexperienced and don't know what the fuck they're doing, mixed with very experienced, talented people in all the right areas, namely special effects for this horror movie. <laughs> special effects in the camera. Yeah, the, the cameraman in this is, um, uh, his name escapes me right now, David Boyd, who's worked on all kinds of things. He's, you know. Yeah. So this, this is a movie that, that looks great. And also it's the dumbest fucking thing I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life because so Susan was sitting in the room watching this. She's like, I think this is the best movie ever made, but I don't know what it's actually about. And I was like, well, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. (laughs) And then it's also the kind of movie where if I try to explain to someone what the plot is, they just kind of like cock their head to the side. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? So it's about a priest named Zeke. What more? Like, yeah, that's the sell point right there. It's a pr- that's that's all you need. Father Zeke O'Sullivan. <laughs> oh, so, Father Zeke O'Sullivan. And he he's, you know, questioning his faith in God and yada, yada, yada. Also, he impregnated a nun in a confessional <laughs> and then got her kicked out of nunning. <laughs> she had a kid who's a total asshole. And. This is all backstory that that takes up a good chunk of the first like 20% of this movie. And yet it doesn't really have any bearing on what's going on. Like this is just something they felt the need to include. And you're like, okay, well, well why does this matter that much? And it doesn't. It doesn't fucking it, matter. It, it's it ultimately weird. fulfills a prophecy because uh, hmm. it's about a, a man. What is it? Like somebody have to sacrifice the child who never knew his father or something. Yeah, uh, the but, priest yeah. who lost his faith must sacrifice yeah. his kid who never knew his father and blah blah blah. Yeah, and that's sure. it. And, and he and he plays both roles in this. Yeah, he's, yeah. And like like because and... they had to find one of those over the over the border in America and lure him in. That's way ahead in the mm-hmm. storyline. But ultimately, yeah, I mean, this priest just runs what bus tours down into Mexico. And, and this is the other thing I don't understand. He's a he's a Catholic priest who runs archaeological <laughs> bus tours down to Mexico. Right. Yeah. I see. Well, you would think that they would have to, as as Jack described, lure him to this festival. No, he just goes there every fucking year. <laughs> There's no yeah, with one of his classic bus tours, <laughs> which I, I I didn't know. And and then. He, he like crosses the border for this too because he's he's based out of tucson and every year he's like okay everybody in the bus we're going to fucking mexico drive on down <laughs> time for an archaeological tour and uh this time things go a little bit south because uh he's told by well he's told by the director <laughs> <laughs> 
always a good sign. Uh, but but the direct what is what is his character's name? It's um, Umsek, Doctor Umsek, yeah, Doctor Umsek, and he and he introduces himself, and he's just this guy's like I'm Doctor Umsek, and my daughter is possessed. And the priest, because you know he runs Mayan archaeological tours, he's like, wait a tick, isn't that the Mayan god of death? And Doctor Umsek's like, I don't know what you're talking about. This has been my name for my whole life. It's just who I am. <laughs> And he's like, okay, this is normal. <laughs> and then you, you just, you're watching all this. And then on top of that, there's this other character, Lori, who is the most tack on motherfucker in the history of tack on characters in a movie based almost entirely of, around tack on characters. And also no one here is who I would describe as a seasoned professional. Okay. They all do fine with what they're given and what they're doing and well, what this is. <laughs> Old Father I Zeke mean, really struggles at times. He's, he's a little rough around the edges. But but all things considered, these aren't professionals, but they're mostly serviceable. But Pramika Eaton as Lori, holy shit, real fucking bad. <laughs> <laughs> and Jack, why why is that? Why do you think she's so terrible? Why does she stick out so much? I, that's this is a good question. Um, you, to to talk about the acting and why why the acting is really bad. Uh, so apparently this is so we didn't mention we we talked about what Somtau has has written in TV and stuff. He is apparently a fairly acclaimed at this point in time science fiction author. He was published. Oh. he'd won several awards for his science fiction short stories. Everyone else in this movie nearly is also an acclaimed science fiction author. That's that's, that's who I always. That's get. where he found everyone. So who's, uh, who's won a Hugo Award? It's time to put them in my movie. So so Tim <laughs> Sullivan as Father O'Sullivan. Uh, I love they added an O just to the surname, just so he wasn't. Yeah, it makes it more Catholic. Same. Like he's an author. Uh, the other woman, he whatever Wendy Webb, I guess the other woman. Uh, yeah, she's what, what's really funny is I don't think any of them really acted in anything else. But the person you singled out, uh, which is what Pramika Eaton, who is the director's sister, I believe. That, there you go. See, that's that, that, that that's why. Here's the funny thing. She has acted in other stuff. Apparently she is. No, became, she became. <laughs> a, yeah, a fixture of Thai soap operas. <laughs> I refuse to believe that. It's it's what she says. And and I really, I mean, we can talk about it. Like, she stands out. She's not doing very well acting-wise here. But my God, the acting she is doing is expansive and impressive. It really, like, you really have to experience it. She is throwing her whole body into every line. It's it's pretty powerful stuff. Yeah, it's, um, it, it's one of those performances where it, y y it's magnetic how bad it is. I just, I you eat it up. Absolutely eat it up. Because the other thing she's doing is she's like aggressively whispering every single one of her lines. You know, it's, it's like, she's, <laughs> I don't know. It's like a hostage situation with a gun to her head that she has to whisper. Cause every line she, is like, she, she doesn't want to go too, <laughs> she doesn't want to go too far. I think like she, she knows she's acting like you can't just go all out. So she's kind of going out, but all out, but then reining it in a little bit. It's, there's, a yeah. there's a tension there. <laughs> Her idea of bringing it in is, yeah, like aggressive whispering. That's <laughs> that's how you find your, your middle ground. And then some of the lines for her, too, you, you just stop and you're like, I, I need to, like, pause the movie so I can digest whatever it is she just said. So she has a 
sort of romantic interest in like mullety blonde guy. And yeah, she also wants to bang Zeke. She wants to bang every. She's just just really just trolling for the dick right now. But she has this line where where blonde mullet guy sits down and they meet for the first time, and she just says. Wow, I'm glad I finally met someone here who doesn't look like they're out of a Fellini movie. What the fuck does that mean? I, I <laughs> is everyone just that. in a three-piece <laughs> suit with an Italian accent with smoking a cigarette? I Yeah, for all the nostalgia we've talked about with this movie, Fellini's not in there. I'm not, I'm not no, seeing no, Fellini at all. No, not, no. It's not there. It's a, it's a very odd reference point. I guess maybe if you're, you're they're just like cycling to like a La Strada thing, like, oh, they're circus people or something at the festival but <laughs> you think he saw one stretch. fellini movie yeah just, like, i think so stick that in that's gotta be yeah. it that's all i could go <laughs> someone has erected a steel frame structure and we're all holding hands and dancing around well it. i guess <laughs> as a catholic priest that that could be a fellini movie yeah there you go that's probably there uh maybe there's a busty woman in a fountain i i really don't know it's I was like racking my brain. I'm, like, I'm going to have to like go through my Criterion Fellini box set, watch every single movie until I get that reference. There, there's that, there's that line. And then there's the line later on where the kid with the foul mouth kid is like dressed in sacrificial Mayan robes. And he just wakes up and he says, I look like fucking Prince. And which is <laughs> almost a joke, but also kind of very confusing. Um, yeah, but I'd say Prince a big laugh on like set. That. I think people really enjoyed that. So that's all that's that's all that matters. It's a fun one. Yeah, yeah I think this kid here. was really cracking people up. I gotta say, <laughs> I think the line cracked them up. I think that was like, oh yeah, that's a good one. That's gonna like that's gonna be big. That's gonna be on the video box. People are gonna be quoting that with their friends. And then ultimately, I don't mm. think this movie got released in the U.S. originally. <laughs> so, which is a crime, oops. an absolute crime. Just a, a shame that this never got released until, I guess, what, Vinegar Syndrome dug it up. God bless. Yeah, him. it seems but, like it, it was released abroad. Apparently, they they made some. Okay. They, they managed to release it in Japan and the UK and a f couple of other markets. But uh, according With to Thailand, maybe yeah, or whatever. Maybe, maybe so. Yeah, maybe that's where they where the Thai soap operas were like. We need that girl. She's interesting. But um, they, they never got released in the U.S. Apparently, distributors weren't that interested in it. And the idea of actually having to, to to roll it out would have been so involved that apparently no one wanted to do it. So they'd show it every so often at fests, They I guess, where the, you know, they had an audience already. But uh, I think Vinegar Syndrome's Blu-ray is probably the, the first real U.S. release of this movie. That is insane. It is. That's absolutely insane to me. Great movie. It, this is so much like this is such a fun movie. And we were talking about like all the weird elements of it. There, there's so many kind of uh, overlapping things. One thing that again, it's like we talk about Sum Tao and we talk. He's the actor playing Dr. Umtsek. He did the, the music. He's apparently an accomplished musician. Uh, but he got like he, he found I guess a MIDI library or a synthesizer or whatever. So like this, <laughs> did he ever? This, this thing has the sound of you know the sound if you've watched movies of like the late eighties, early nineties, where it's like it's, now there's a saxophone, now there's a harpsichord. It's it's all in there. But it is it is more there's a layering to the sounds in it that is kind of does suggest that he has he's thinking more broadly than a lot of other guys who'd be doing this just real quick and cheap and easy like there there's an investment mm -hmm. here the music is i think a little bit more interesting but it still sounds really cheap 
but apparently somehow didn't want to direct. That was not his goal at all. I thought this was really funny. So apparently, um, if you check the credits, Wendy Ikaguchi gets a credit as a directorial advisor, right? She was supposed to direct this. She was a friend of theirs. She was in the DGA. So she, oh she knew what she was doing. Problem being, she was in the DGA. She was union. <laughs> this is not. This a, is a non-union this is not film. Not a union film. <laughs> so she showed up on set and she just kind of, kind of, you know, did this and that and was advising and stuff. And then the DGA visited the set because they'd caught wind of this this situation. So she basically told Sumtau he had to pretend to direct now. <laughs> And, oh my god. And over time he just kind of got used to doing that. He he kind of I guess I guess Wendy realized probably for her career it wasn't worth it for the laughing dead. So she just kind of reined it back in and somehow became the direct. He says he's one in in a little making of thing. He said he was about one of maybe four people ultimately who directed this movie. So, <laughs> you know, it's and but it it kind of works. I mean, like say the, the special effects are genuine. They're great. They're like low budget, but they're really inventive. They're they they really do work uh the camera mm -hmm. work fairly simple setups generally speaking but like it looks good you could see everything it's like it's a pretty nice work and then everything else is obviously just got a bunch of authors to act everything somehow is just doing his own thing with his own imagination yeah i mean it, how many more movies are like this this is such a weird kind of like pr product of, of an era it's it's mm -hmm. it's really God, I just really enjoyed this thing. There's and there's humor in here. Like, I mean, it's funny, but it's often it's meant to be funny. There's a whole there's a sequence where where our guy is sacrificing kids, and he's like almost like looking at the watch. Like, man, I wish I just need to get through these child sacrifices. I wish I could retire. And it's like, <laughs> you know, yeah, great. This this is not stuff you'd find in a lot of other movies. It doesn't take itself too seriously. No. Uh, it ends in a fucking kaiju battle pretty much just comes out of nowhere i was not expecting that they just straight up had two monsters very gently tapping each other on the sides <laughs> of each other's head they, yeah. i think those models were maybe not not too robust a couple of little uh you know rubber kaiju slugs yeah battling it but out like this movie has a bit thumps. of everything they're cutting hearts out they roll a boss over a guy's head they slam dunk a guy's head fantastic there's just so much going yeah. on here a lot of basketball. There's there's head slam dunks. There's like a a, a basketball game for the I don't know the <laughs> fate of the universe at the end. I guess it's weird. You which you would think would involve you know putting a ball through a hoop at some point, but it, it really doesn't. Yeah. No, <laughs> uh, they really. It's, did. it's just wild to me. Like the the amount of movies that we've watched for this podcast that I just am, am aware of that have gotten theatrical or home video releases during this time period. And the fact that this didn't get distribution is shocking to me because it looks fine. It's kind of funny. It's never boring. And it's just a, a let's throw a bunch of shit at the wall and see what sticks kind of horror movie. And it fucking works. And it's it also works. it's also kind of racist, which was, I mean, well, you know, well, no, right. which was, you know, that was a major <laughs> part of the 80s home video yeah, re revolution. <laughs> You know, and, and, and you know, at least they're they're like, well, how can we be racist in a different way? And someone was just like, Mayans. No one's done anything weird with them recently. And they're like, okay, yeah, let's do yeah, that I, one. I do appreciate this movie that seemed to be very much about like Mayans, and we investigated a bit, but not too much. Like they clearly they they like picked up like three names, uh, and kind of like the headdress or whatever, 
And then after mm-hmm. this, like, Mayans played basketball to determine who was sacrificed. It's like, they did not yeah. play basketball. I don't know the name <laughs> I mean, of the this sport was, they This was played. a contemporary movie. We'd say they Googled it. Obviously, they couldn't back then. So this is a, they picked up the letter M Encyclopedia Britannica off the shelf, opened it to Mayan, and they're like, okay, so they played this game with a hoop. We're going to say it's basketball, and this is how they dressed. Perfect. Well, you have to link and it it's in, also, <laughs> you know, because yeah. the priest plays basketball. So it's like, yeah, no, that skill transfers to this other completely different sport. Yeah. And I, it also has a fun, like, totally half-baked afterthought, uh, weird theme running underneath it, which is like, hey, you know, colonialism is pretty cool. Because it's just like, oh, no, we don't we don't believe in the old ways anymore. It's all about Catholicism. <laughs> well, I mean, you're you guys are really glossing over the true message of this film, which is about the power yeah. of crystals. crystals. Exactly. Oh, yeah. That, that's yeah, what's really is, confusing. Big, oh, yeah. This is a big commercial for like if, if you know anyone who maybe is like a massage therapist or uh, just, you know, your standal your standard, you know, crystal person. You know, a girl who's always like, oh, my God, what day and time were you born? This is their movie because you've got this couple that you're introduced to in the beginning in a, in a comic sequence. And they're kind of bickering and they're definite like new age crystal people and, and other characters are poking fun at them. And they're set up perfectly to be, you know, basically cannon fodder. That's how they would be in any other horror movie. When in fact, in this movie, they are. Heroes and survivors. (laughs) How do you defeat the demons? It's not through the power of Christ. It's through the power of crystals. It all all moves in together. I mean, yeah, absolutely. This is the weirdest final girl I've ever seen in a horror movie is the the woman, the fiery tempered redhead who's all about like violent meditation, like competitive meditation and throwing crystals everywhere. And yeah, yeah, you're expecting like these guys. Okay, these guys are going to die and it's going to be funny. This has got to happen. And no, yeah, you're right. They, they, they become the heroes. They're throwing their crystals around, repelling the evil. They're, they're doing their little chant, like chants and whatever. It's all working. Yeah. Extremely confusing. I do like the priest. Does he even have to reclaim his faith? I mean, I think he should be open up a little knickknack shop somewhere. No, Mm -hmm. I I think that his arc is that he fully rejects his faith to join his family. Yeah. He's got to raise his shitty kid who swears yeah, a lot. Yeah, by the end, he's he's re, he's re completely he's given up Catholicism. He's not he's not a priest anymore. Not a priest. No, that's probably why this wasn't distributed in the United States. Could oh be. yeah, Could be. yeah. Well, there was <laughs> way the ahead of like Church? the yuppie curve too. They're talking about like the food being organic. I'm like, well, that was a thing in 1989. <laughs> who knew? Who knew? Yeah, I, I think JP2 had a hand in, in making sure this one didn't get a home video release. Clearly the Vatican's behind this because I can't think of another reason why. The fucking papacy and Monsanto, they all got together to block the, yep. the fucking distribution yep. of the Laughing Dead. John Paul II and Monsanto. <laughs> the true axis of evil right there. Um, yeah, so basically this movie is fucking fantastic. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, uh, guess what? Now it's really easy to. You don't have to steal it from the internet. You don't have to look at some dirt-ass copy off of YouTube that somebody ripped off. Uh, no, 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 no. Vinegar Syndrome has a beautiful restoration of this. I mean, I gotta tell you. Amazing. If you're our age, I, I can't recommend enough. 
fuck the blu-ray i mean maybe buy it to support the, the filmmakers but just watch the, watch that dirt vhs rip that's where you're really going to get that that memory oh, that yeah. sense memory is going to come <laughs> flooding back you will just be transported <laughs> to a different time and place yeah i i would say if you're in your 30s and you have a slight alcohol problem and uh like your younger coworkers call you a boomer but you resent them for it and sometimes you go to bed at 9 p.m just because you're so tired this is your favorite movie, okay? <laughs> yeah, they're, fantastic. And as as someone, uh, Jack thinks I might have been skeptical about it, maybe to a point. But then there's like a scene where the priest just goes berserk and literally like punches through a person's head, and I was like, okay. <laughs> where he jabs the guy's hand down his throat, and you see his fingers sticking out his neck. Yeah, as soon oh, as he punches yeah. that guy's head off, the movie is just barreling straight to the finish. It's all fucking. A plus. <laughs> it's so good. And like the gore effects are all practical and, and silly, just rubber skin and squirting blood everywhere. And, you know, a, a lot of the sets too, especially when they go into the Mayan hell cave or whatever, it's very legends of the hidden temple. Like everything is clearly made out of styrofoam. Nothing has any weight. It's beautiful. That whole section looks like uh, like one of those, you know, those Nickelodeon, like, kids adventure reality TV show <laughs> things. Almost like Legends of the Hidden Temple, which I just referenced, Is that Jack? what that is? I don't, I didn't it's see that one. I don't know. I was thinking, no, like, Crystal Maze. Yeah, but, okay, fair, we're on the same page. That's what matters. <laughs> I don't know what you Americans did as kids. Listen, Jack, Jack saw Doug and Rugrats for the first time in 2017. I wish yeah, that never, were true, but that's no. That's they made it to Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> no you're right this this it has a very like early 90s nickelodeon aesthetic to it this is a classic movie that is it's clearly hard r because a guy gets his arm ripped off and shoved down his throat and you see the fingers but also it's made it's for, for 12 year olds <laughs> yeah this is for children this is actually for children so uh yeah it it, it makes sense <laughs> you're like damn i wish there was a gory horror movie set in the Legends of the Hidden Temple, Final Temple. Here it is. This is the movie for you. It's it's a fucking beautiful thing. It's, this is what you don't understand, Netflix. This is the sort of shit mm -hmm. that people are actually nostalgic for, the real heads. Because this, yeah, this shit yeah. was, it was all over the 1980s. Like, fucking movies that are totally inappropriate for children and made explicitly for children. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, kids kids in the 80s were watching, like, The Monster Squad and The Gate, which I'm pretty sure is, like, some real dumb, traumatizing shit nowadays. But Netflix, if you're listening, I know your stock is tanking, and I know that you have a new season of Stranger Things coming out where you spent $30 million per episode because you're fucking stupid. Meanwhile, I bet Tubi is going to license this movie for, like, $3, and it's a much better investment. <laughs> Absolutely. Right? Jack, what would you rather watch? Uh Stranger Things season, who gives a fuck, or this? Oh, I mean, as someone who watched the entirety of the first season of Stranger Things, there is no contest here. This is, this, Laughing Dead is the real deal. Stranger Things is like a, a shitty digital photocopy made by someone who wasn't even looking at it when they did it. It's all like off-kilter and askew, boring, shitty, stupid CGI monster at the end of an entire season that was about, like, John Carpenter and Stephen King. You don't put a CGI mm -hmm. monster in a show about that stuff. Come on. You make something no, out of, like, shitty rubber, which The Laughing Dead has so much shitty rubber in it. It's amazing. Yeah, it it's truly, truly a sight to behold. How much money do you think Netflix spent on those three shitty Fear Street movies? Just a, a fucking king's ransom. 
And all you had to do was take The Laughing Dead and throw Just it on Just get a bunch of your favorite sci-fi authors and force them to act. That's what you need to do. What's Chuck Tingle doing right now? He's won a Hugo Award. I, I'm <laughs> sure he would be very interested in starring in a movie like this. So someone call up Chuck Tingle right now. He's probably just making like, you know, Space Raptor Butt Invasion 5 or something. It, he's, he's got a little time. Uh, well, I, I guess we should talk about the other movie we watched for this week. Another week where we've got, we've got two bangers. Is this one it's, for kids, you think? Uh, not for kids. I don't know who this is for. <laughs> this is the classic for movie where I'm like, like man, Edwards. cutters. <laughs> I, I fucking love this, but also... I'm like, I don't know what I ever want to watch this again. It's just, <laughs> it's super fucking depressing. And, you know, the, the tagline for this movie, it's called Shatter Dead. And the tagline is, God hates you. <laughs> and if you're saying to yourself, that sounds like some real, like, Gen X, 90s, edgelord shit, you would be 100% correct. And yet, this is the rare movie. It's a shot on video cheapy starring, like, Every Rust Belt nobody that was around it. Oh, where the fuck was this shot? Do you know where this it was, was shot, It was in Jax? rural New York, I believe. Yeah, I New York. Because okay, yeah. I was convinced it must be the Midwest, but it was not. Yeah. yeah. No, it has, it, I can see that. It's got some upstate vibes. There's, you know, where it's just like a little bit methy. And it's, it's just depressing. Like everyone looks depressing. There's a care. And, and the whole idea here is it's a zombie movie, but not really. Because... The idea is no one can die. If you die, you just immediately come back to life and you're just a dead person. And there's a woman who's alive. She's out, you know, doing her apocalypse errand. She's got to get groceries. She leaves her boyfriend behind and she keeps running into these fucking dead assholes. And it's, it's super depressing because, uh, you know, what could be more horrifying and depressing than <laughs> just being permanently alive? Which is the most Gen X line of thinking. And it works. It works. And God, it's it's even more depressing when you have like the, these actors and actresses that director, what's his name? Scooter? Scooter McRae. Uh, Scooter McRae was able to get because, you know, they're amateur and they do a serviceable job. It's a little rough around the edges. But they have this really weird, it's, you know, it's like when you watch like a Jez Franco movie or... I think betterly better comparison would be like a Jean Roland movie where it kind of has this bizarre ethereal quality, but at the same time you're watching like exploitation, porny horror. So it's this weird balance, but I, I don't know. It's, it's like to the movie's detriment, but also to its advantage that nobody can really act because the wooden line reading that you're getting from everyone really enhances the mood and the way that these people look, they just look like normal people because they are. God, there's a girl who's like, yeah, I put a plastic bag around my head and killed myself because I want to be young and beautiful forever. And I'm like, I don't know. You're like a fucking four out of ten, maybe. Like, <laughs> this is, everybody just looks like they, they just they look like they cook meth in a, in a fucking shed. And it's it's beautiful. So, it's a I, wonderful think, movie. I think everyone here looks like they have worked on a no budget movie where they were probably filming for like 18 hours a day. Oh, yeah. Everyone here looks exhausted. And that's what the movie ultimately is about. Uh, yeah, I mean, I shattered at me. I think honestly, I genuinely think this is a remarkable film. This, I think, is one of the absolute oh, triumphs yeah. of like low, low budget, like what 1994 90s horror. 
Um, this is just it, it, and Jean Roland is really like the only other artist I could even begin to kind of like uh, compare it to. Like it's it's such an unusual, unique work. Um, but it has that same kind of weary listlessness. It's a film about complete absence of hope. Because, uh, yeah, well, you can't even commit suicide. Like, and if you get damaged or hurt, whatever, like, you don't heal anymore. It's just like, it, basically, time just wears on forever and everyone is trapped. And the best you could no. do is try to stay alive. But ultimately, what's even the benefit of that? Being alive becomes a, a problem in and of itself because you have to get food and you have to do other things. And then the dead want to kill you not because they're like want to eat your brain they just want to kill you because they're either jealous of you or they reckon you're they're doing you a favor because they're removing the weaknesses of humanity and it's just and there's religious and like there's a new a new religious zombie cult that's formed basically around the prospect of killing everyone to like hurry up that process uh, yeah, mm -hmm. it's just one of these films that has this, such a unique energy to it. And it really, more than anything else, just has this um, kind of incredible, like, it, it's full of sexual imagery. It's full of extremely mm -hmm. frank sexual imagery. Um, it's borderline pornographic, probably actually pornographic, fundamentally. Yeah, it's not even borderline. Yeah. It, it veers into the pornographic, but it does it, it to really highlight this film's utter lack of sensuousness, of intimacy, of release, of catharsis, of any format. It is just leaden and dead through and mm -hmm. through every frame. And I think it's, just, it's kind of a remarkable achievement. And Roland is, again, I think the only other director I can think of who's done anything like this. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, you want to talk about, like, what are the, what, what's the, what's the best, shot on video cheapy movie ever made and we've watched some good ones obviously we watched boarding house which <laughs> that's, that, a, that's that's a stone cold fucking one. classic <laughs> yeah that i mean there, there's your there's your number one but the the thing is is like boarding house while it was one of the first it also kind of set the blueprint for what to expect and, and when i think of my favorite shot on video well boarding uh, house was boarding house horror, sov or was it was 16 mil wasn't it no, 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 it was no. shot on video, and oh, he blew it, it up to 35 mil to oh, show God. the yeah. theater. Like an absolute freak. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but, but like, that's kind of what you expect, which is just like a little sloppy, a little amateurish, but fun, weird, and, and there's just a lot of passion behind it. And this is just uh, on a totally different level. And uh, what Scooter McCray is able to do in this movie is... I, he basically utilizes the format to instill a level of dread and hopelessness and disgust in viewers that I don't think a lot of us tend to feel anymore. Like if you're getting to the point where you're like, I'm going to watch shattered dead. This ain't your first fucking rodeo. <laughs> no, okay. Yeah. And people like me and, and Myros and Jack, we have completely numbed our brains and our souls to this garbage. We we are the fucking zombies. Like, we watch things, it's just like, oh, yeah, you know, whatever. <laughs> and it takes a lot to upset me. But when I'm watching Shattered Dead, and there's a pregnant woman who gets shotgun blasted through her belly, and then she can't die, and guess what? Neither can her fucking half-baked baby, so she's standing in a shower with an expressionless face, with her disgusting, malformed, half-baby fetus 
like trying to to breastfeed it in the shower. That's like the most upsetting thing I've seen in God knows how long. It's an this incredible movie. sequence. Ooh. And it, that's really funny because okay, so, so somehow, okay, The Laughing Dead traveled to the UK and Japan while never getting released abroad. Shattered Dead somehow made it to the UK in the 90s. What? Yeah. How? How? Because this is like, obviously the, the UK in the 90s was like censoring all kinds of stuff. I mean, it was it's just regular Hollywood product. They'd like trim off if anyone did like, you know, they would do like anytime someone did like a, an ear clap or if there was anything they considered was imitable violence that a kid could take, you know, or like if it had a ninja, anything to do with ninjas was instantly excised. Somehow Shatter Dead made it over there. It was caught, obviously. There was a few sequences of it, but it caused an outrage over there, you know, some because <laughs> some, you know, rag uh, tabloid got hold of it. Uh, and what's really funny is they describe they describe that exact scene you're talking about. They talk about it as like a shotgun abortion. You know, it's disgusting. And it's like, yeah, that would be disgusting. But this is something else. This is a shotgun birth. Like, the baby mm -hmm. isn't aborted. You can't do that anymore. Whatever survives just keeps going. It's much yeah. worse than you're thinking. <laughs> and also, it is, there, there's that strange touching element to the scene that the mother is trying to, trying to cultivate something. Hey, uh, what are you guys supposed to do? What 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 happens in this world? I mean, it's it's kind of like, God, you know, as we're kind of marching into a, annihilation from climate change, where we're like, we don't have any money to, you know, all the scientists are like, look, uh, if we don't do anything, we're all gonna die, and all the governments of the world are like, eh, okay, maybe some tax credits for electric vehicles we all have to manufacture <laughs> from scratch, and it's like, okay, so we're all going to die. That's basically what we've set out so so shattered dead is one of those movies that you're just looking at it going like oh yeah this is uh hitting uh some unfortunate elements for me jeez that's oh, great yeah, yeah it, it is it's something i gotta say i it, this is not my sort of movie generally like when this opens with like a big tittied angel uh, fucking a doggy styling some other woman and this then this is supposed to be the the, the plot and I, I i this is not explained in the film but apparently the reason everyone has stopped dying is because the angel of death impregnated a human woman i believe that's oh. said somewhere else in the materials yeah. but not in the movie you know Anyhow. what's best if if you don't fucking know that frankly <laughs> like, let's just forget <laughs> about that shit because that's like where i'm immediately off board it's like this fucking angel thing and then uh, there's a lot of uh, wandering and world building in the in the opening 10 to 15 minutes where I'm like, this is bullshit. Like, what the fuck is Jack making us watch here? But at some point, <laughs> it really wraps you in. Like, this thing mm -hmm. has some magic in it. That's for sure. I, it's like once she gets to the house where this, this whole shotgun incident occurs, from that point on, the movie is just engrossing. Like, it is a compelling goddamn piece of work. We gotta say, in terms of horror, uh, Scooter McRae's landlord must fucking hate him after that scene. <laughs> I would imagine. I would imagine. So, I, with optimism vaccine movies, things we tend to watch, I kind of rank them on my my curtain spectrum, is what I call it. So, I have three big windows in my living room, and one is a big bay window that faces the street. So, anytime I'm watching anything, I almost I immediately close that one because I'm like I. Who knows what the fuck Jack has gotten us into this week. Fair. <laughs> and then, so most movies we watch are, are one curtain movies. And then there's another smaller window that you can kind of see it from the street and, and the neighbors can kind of see it if they're on their porch. 
So that that's a two curtain movie. And then there's there's a third curtain that basically just faces a brick wall. But I'm like, if anybody sees me watching this, I'm going to jail. That's kind of like the <laughs> the Bolero curtain, if you will. <laughs> Steve Shattered was, Dead is a it's a three curtain movie. Steve was originally okay. proposing watching this on his his plane ride home from Florida, and I suggested that might be illegal. Possibly. <laughs> yeah, I, I honestly would have been shot by an air marshal, and I was sitting next to a four year old. Uh, yeah, it is independent of the the shotgun birth. There's also a, a some full penetration with a a handgun later in the film. Uh, yeah, we love a good bullpen yeah. with the handgun. Yeah, uh, flaccid wiener. Yeah, which hey, in in '94, whenever this was made, not a lot of flaccid dongs out there. So shout out, uh, Bush galore in this. Oh too. yeah, a lot of that, a lot of that. But uh, that's par for the course. I mean, yeah. Oh yeah, we. It's, yeah, Bush is it's just a very strange thing because, uh, like I said in the chat, like on one hand, this movie feels at times incredibly pretentious, and at times it also feels like some like dirtbag, you know, decided to fucking make some fetish porn on his, uh, his free time. Mm -hmm. And I'm watching it now, unfortunately, but somehow these things combined to make a very compelling piece of art. No, that's it. This is this is that fucking onion article, man. The one with the headline that just says, you know, tragic, the worst person you know just made a good point. <laughs> That's what this is. It is somehow it does coalesce like that. Uh, yeah, it's it's a kind of a magic, a magic bullet somehow that all of the, the weird porniness and like edgelord elements really do bleed into uh, something that's genuinely kind of captures a hopelessness and an inertness and an inescapable chasm in existential dread and there it is it's all on it's all on the screen and it's like i mean mm -hmm. people you know oh we got to get rid of the like masturbating with a handgun scene it's like i mean you can sure as a sensor you're probably going to want to do that but you'd also have to ask yourself could anyone find this arousing could anyone find anything in this movie arousing maybe but they would not be a normal human being no, especially in the context of why she's masturbating with a handgun, because her <laughs> depressed boyfriend kills himself by slitting his wrist. All of his blood goes into the bathtub and then he can no longer get an erection because he's a zombie <laughs> with no blood in his body. So the solution is she has to put a handgun in her vagina. And I don't think that's particularly erotic. No, <laughs> it's just kind no, of upsetting. I'd, I'd say not. I, I'm just imagining this UK version. Like it's a cut zero out, on the boner scale. Like cut out the fucking moments of extreme like violence and release in this. And what the fuck do you have left? You got nothing. You got nothing. <laughs> like I kind of want to see that cut. It must be like I'm, a I'm goddamn curious, snooze. According to the IMDb, they said the 96 UK video was cut by 26 seconds. What? The, oh, I think you say minutes. And the 2005 <laughs> DVD was ex oh, it really expanded. It was cut even more in 2005 to 40 seconds. But I don't understand how just 26 seconds. They say just oh, for the hand anything. What? But yeah, again, seconds seconds in the UK. I would expect that to be minutes. Like, I can't think of. <laughs> there's no extended scene in this entire film where I'm like, ah, that'll make it through the censors in the UK. That's fine. It's totally okay. Pretty much. Jesus. Like, I can't see how a f taking 26 seconds out of this would, would help you much. <laughs> You're still going to be looking at some sick goddamn shit. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Shattered Dead. 
full endorsement, I guess. I think yeah, that's I, you just have to be like a fucking nihilist creep, like like I. At yeah, least I know I am. Yeah, you're a real I big am, piece so, of know. shit like us. Yeah, yeah if you're really if you're a big old taking the black pill, if you're shit. taking the black pill, <laughs> then enjoy shattered. <laughs> yeah, again, the, the you know the the tagline is God hates you. If you're like, yeah, that resonates with me. <laughs> this, um, this is a hundred percent. Here's your movie. Here's this is a hundred percent not a movie to show anyone else unless you've seen it first and you know them really really well. Very true. Oh, Which yeah. is why Don't... I made Adam watch it. <laughs> mm-hmm, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, again, full endorsement. But uh, yeah, just just be conscious of who you watch this with, who you recommend this to. This could be a friend loser for you, but uh, it's it's really fantastic. It it is honestly one of the best shot on video horror movies of all time, if not the best. It's just fan fucking tastic. And if you're the right person. You're going to love it. If you're the wrong person, you're going to be really upset with me. <laughs> probably going to unsubscribe from this podcast, but whatever, man. We fucking warned you. Anyways, Shattered Ed, great. Laughing Dead, great. Go go find both of them. They both have Blu-ray They're not releases. the same movie, but they're both good they're movies. They're not the same. They're different. They're very different. One you can watch with people. The other one, <laughs> you can lose friends. Yeah, the it's one is made for children, and the one would fucking eradicate children. <laughs> yeah, the other <laughs> That's pretty much it. All right, well, we better wrap things up. So, Myros, what are you putting over this week? You know, I I haven't watched a ton, but what I did was I saw oh, Shock of the Century. What, I sought out this there's a, there's a separate movie cuz when we started watching Laughing Dead, uh with the knowledge of what Shattered Dead kind of was, I was like, is this am I watching the right movie? Uh <laughs> so I Google or I, I look up on the old database, Laughing Dead, and there's there's two of them. And one of them sounds mm. a hell of a lot more like Shatter Dead. Like, it, it's like, oh, a guy wakes up from a dream in a hell world. And I'm like, well, what the fuck is this movie? So I found this movie. Uh, the copies of this that exists are dreadful. Dreadful. Uh, somebody needs to get on this. I mean, it's not amazing, but it's still good enough to make your... You're cut for, for what these people are restoring nowadays. Um, it is, it's like a vampire movie, sort of, but it's it's very, like, Lynch-inspired, I would say. It's it's not incredible. Um, I, I, I described it as, like, Albert Pien-level filmmaking, but it's a, another one of these odd things, because it's shot on 16mm for no budget at all. Um... It reads like a, a heavy indictment of Los Angeles, essentially, but it is uh, another of these up converts. So the whole thing is the, the copies floating around are definitely VHS rips, but they're also widescreen VHS rips. And I don't think it was shot in widescreen at all. So, so it's just, it's a mess, but it's kind of cool. Uh, I got to say, worth Worth uh, worth 80 minutes of your time. If you want, wow. well, Laughing Dead from 1998 also a kind of an interesting little independent film unbelievable we're, we're living in a world with multiple good laughing dead yeah if you were to ask to me alive. why this is called laughing dead i have absolutely no idea i was, it doesn't I was gonna seem, ask it was does it, not or seem did the dead actually laugh in this one because they don't in the other yeah. one really they don't they have, none of these movies should be called laughing well dead. at least the other one had the 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 pretense of the the festival being the the Laughing Dead Festival or whatever. but uh, Which is just a Day of the Dead yes, Festival. Yes, it is. But uh, this one seems to have no pretense. 
it is again it's very much a nihilistic film very adjacent to shattered dead except Mm -hmm. uh worse but uh you know it is uh it's not there's no laughing going on here i'm not entirely sure what what the hell (laughs) the title's about (laughs) wow no chuckles to be had all right jack what are you putting over this week i'm gonna put over um duel to the death which is somehow I've never seen this before. It's by Tony Ching Shutong, who anyone who's into Hong Kong martial arts would know him from. He's directed stuff like um, Swordsman 2 and Chinese Ghost Story. He's also like a big action choreographer. He's done a lot of like Hero, and I think he did uh, House of Flying Daggers mm-hmm. as well. Like he's he's huge. He's been around Hong Kong cinema for decades now. Um, but this was his first film as a director, Duel to the Death, and it is amazing oh my god it is so good it's basically about uh, china and japan meet every 10 years they send their best swordsmen to have a duel to the death hence the title see this fits in not like a fucking laughing dead all fits together neatly here but some subterfuge is afoot and there's a bunch of ninjas doing insane stuff this movie is just so kinetic it's so fast and energetic and utterly entertaining and also incredibly bleak. I don't quite know how he managed to resolve those two things. It's not as, like, it's a movie full of cool fights that's about how fighting sucks ass and won't get you anywhere. That's the whole movie. <laughs> it's really amazing. Uh, I imported the, it just got a Blu-ray release in the UK, which looks really, really nice. But I just recently learned this thing is like streaming for free on like IMDb TV. So you can just what? you can watch it here if you'd like. I don't know if it's the same version, but I'm sure it'll you'll it'll get it done. So yeah, yeah, Duel to the Death is fantastic, hugely entertaining. You'll love it. So don't don't keep it out of your life. Just bring it in, bring it into the fold now. Love that, love that. Well, I, I'm gonna actually put over a video game this week, and uh, I I've been trying to play through the Doom series, like the whole thing, and. First big surprise for me, and that is my positive response to Doom 64, mm-hmm. a game that mm-hmm. I never thought I would play or enjoy. In, you know, oh, well, the public has, has reclaimed century. Doom 64. It's, it's supposed to be a, a lost I, classic. I didn't know that. I The only thing I knew is that I was going through all these games, and then I got to Doom 64, and I thought it was just a Nintendo 64 port of Doom. Yeah, as, as someone who, what it who was. grew up with a Nintendo 64, I, I always assumed it was exactly that, just a Doom on Nintendo 64. Yeah, it turns out it's not. It's a completely original game. It's got some original enemies. It's got an exclusive weapon. Um you know, is it the best Doom game? No, but it does some really interesting shit, including it's it's kind of the first time that Doom feels more like a horror game than just like cool, like butt rock and blowing shit up. It's very atmospheric. They replace the soundtrack with, God, it's like droning ambient music and babies crying, <laughs> which is fucking crazy. And it's, uh, yeah, it's it's a little bit slower paced than I think some of the other Doom games, but you know, I, I just remember when Doom 3 came out and everyone's like, oh, it's a survival horror game and you gotta have a flashlight out and it sucks shit and this isn't Doom. It's like, well, I mean, it's, it's not quite Doom, but if you look at like Doom 1 to Doom 2 to Doom 64 to Doom 3, it's actually a pretty logical progression. So Doom 64, it's fun. It's, it's a good shooter. It is definitely a 90s shooter. <laughs> 
And I, I just think that it got shit on when it came out because everybody wanted Turok games, which, by the way, go, go fucking play Turok right now. Tell me that <laughs> holds up because it doesn't. It does not at all. So uh, Doom 64, I, I think it holds up. I'm glad that it's apparently being, you know, reconsidered, reassessed by wh whoever does that. I guess me now, but it's, it's good. Who knew? Doom 64. Go, go fucking play it. You can buy it for like a dollar probably. Who cares? Uh, yeah. So with that, if you are listening right now, do us a big favor. There's a link in the description of this podcast. And did you know that if you click on it, you can give us money? And why would you want to give us money? Well, if you give us money at any level, I will send you a movie from my personal collection. Uh, is it a VHS tape? Is it a laser disc? Is it a DVD, a Blu-ray, some sort of box set? You have no fucking idea what you're getting, but you're getting it. Assuming you live within the continental United States, because I got to send these media mail. I'm not made out of money. Come on. So I, I will send you something from my personal collection. Also, it, you want to donate more money? You can, you can start dictating content. You can vote on content. You can, you can tell us, you, you want to spend $25? You can tell us an entire episode to do. We'll fucking do it. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. Yeah. $25. What an investment that would be. So check it out. You can, you can see all the different perks you get with Patreon, but they're on there. Uh, did you know, Myros, uh, actually, this is, this is more of a Jack thing. One of our, our friendly, uh, within the Optimism Vaccine universe, I've guessed it on their podcast a couple times, uh, Good Brews, Bad Views, they did the, what's the Hellraiser in space movie, Jack? Oh, Hellraiser 4? Hellraiser 4, yeah. Good movie. And at the end of the episode, they, I, I think they, they use your what Hellraiser movie should I watch chart oh. <laughs> from Optimism Vaccine, which if you become a Patreon, you can access that because it's got our entire backlog of, you know, exclusive written and audio Patreon content, including Jack's flow chart on what Hellraiser movie should you watch? Usually helpful and document. A, yeah. I mean, it's a pressing question on the minds of, I, I would assume millions of people. So yeah, just, just some of the perks you can get. Now, if you have any questions, comments, death threats, marriage proposals, optimismvaccine at gmail.com is where you can send those. Adam Myros, as always, has the inbox open and he's smashing the refresh button. And you can also tweet at us, at optimismvaccine. It'd be great. Uh, well, you don't, like, you don't like Elon Musk and you want to quit Twitter? That's fine. You know, you know who Elon Musk hates, Jack? Who does he hate? He, he hates you. Hates me. First and foremost. Oh. And he hates, he hates optimism vaccine. I thought he hated so, Chelsea Manning mostly. Also Chelsea Manning. Yeah, that's that's true. Uh, but uh, he loves Joe Rogan, let me tell you. And, and maybe one day, speaking of Joe Rogan, maybe one day we will fulfill my dream of watching a talking horse movie that, and then the episode catapults us to the top of the iTunes charts dethroning Joe Rogan. How do you feel about that, Jack? Uh, we'd have to tune in a pretty racist response to the talking horse movie to get us there, but I think we could do it. <laughs> All right, so, yeah, I mean... All the more reason to listen to Optimism Vaccine. We're going to have to brainstorm a way to tie eugenics to talking horse movies. That's the only way to get the, the most listened to podcast in America. So we'll figure it out. We'll get there. Well, and, I mean, we uh, could yeah, posit we'll the, the connection between the horses and the, what is it, the ivermectin or whatever? You know? Oh, Damn. yeah, the horse mm, pace. We're on it. We're on it. Yep. We're, we're bridging the gap. We're bridging the gap. Also, Bobcat Goldwaite is he's coming to Milwaukee soon. Do you think I should go to the show and ask him about Hot to Trot, his talking horse? I think you should bring 80s. a VHS copy and get him to sign it. 
That's a fucking brilliant idea. All right. Well, I'm going to go on eBay and find a copy of Hot to Trot, and we'll see you next week. Oh, 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 oh,